Hello, everybody. I'm PCT Senior Digital Editor Brad Harbison. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. I'm happy to have as my guest Caroline Kirby, the Training Coordinator for Plunkett's Pest Control, a Copazan member company. And Caroline wrote the February Tech Talk column for PCT, and Tech Talk is the PCT column that's written by members of the Copazan Technical Committee. And in Carolyn's column, she kind of reflected on some of the things that she's learned about training during a pandemic. And we wanted to further explore this topic in our podcast. So thanks for joining me today, Carolyn. Thank you for having me. To start with, uh, Carolyn, you know, for, for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with Plunkett's, can you give us kind of a quick overview of the size and scope of the company and what your role is as training coordinator? Sure. Plunkett's is a third generation family owned company. We were founded in 1915, and we currently provide service to 24 states across the Midwest, South, and East Coast. We have just shy of 530 employees. Uh, my main role as training coordinator is to help new technicians get up and running in their route and to provide continuing education opportunities for our current employees. Right now, new hires spend three weeks in initial training. Their first three days are spent with their supervisor to see the job, their route, and to get a feel for the industry. And the remaining time is spent with me in the classroom to learn the basics of the industry, who we are uh, as Plunkets, and prepare for their licensing exams. Experienced technicians participate in monthly regional training meetings during our slower winter season. And these meetings are done in small groups to allow technicians to connect with their peers while covering topics such as safety, sales, documentation, and so on. Uh, my role in these area meetings is to help create and manage the content. Because we have almost 400 technicians, this is actually a team challenge. I'm part of the technical and training department of Plunkett's. So in addition to me, this team is made of our technical director, staff entomologist, training director, and another training coordinator who's based out of our Columbus, Ohio office. So together we create scripts for the supervisors to use to lead these meetings. Well, thanks for that uh, overview, Caroline. And taking a look at the, the column you wrote, you, know, you had mentioned that prior to COVID-19, Plunkett's had already moved a lot of its new training hiring online. When and why was that decision made? We made that decision in early 2019 and launched our learning hub in November of 2019. So right before everything went crazy. Um, since each, each one of our technicians is provided a tablet upon hire due to our record keeping system, it was really a no brainer. The idea of moving training online began with our push towards providing technicians with micro learning opportunities to make training accessible to anyone wherever they needed it. Uh, say for example, a technician is headed to a carpentry job and isn't quite sure what to do. On each tablet, our technicians have access to self-created online reference book, the Ready Reference, to look up detailed steps. We also have our digital field guide to provide them with quick facts. And we have a video library where they can watch the job actually being done. Uh, since technicians were already spending most of their time on their tablet doing record keeping and also using these reference tools, it was just really easy to make that leap towards putting our initial training online too. We've actually linked our learning hub and the digital field guide to our documentation system so techs don't even have to jump between apps to find the information and participate in training. Taking a look back prior to COVID, what type of training activities were online versus in-person and why did you, why were you set up that way? Well, prior to COVID, the majority of training was done in person. For initial trainings, technicians were asked to travel to our Fridley, Minnesota, our Columbus, Ohio offices for two weeks. And experienced techs traveled to a central spot within their area to participate in their area meetings. 
We also hold a meeting twice a year uh, for all techs who are hired within the last six months called Rookie Camp and techs traveled for that as well to our corporate offices. And we've required in-person meetings because there's just something to be said about a meeting in person and, and seeing our corporate office. Route work can be pretty individual. So these in-person meetings are a way for technicians to reconnect with their coworkers, share horror stories and, and network if they're new. Uh, it reminds them that they're part of a strong team. When COVID did hit, can you talk a little bit about how you were able to adapt the, that traditional in-person training activities to virtual? Sure. Well, for years, we've assigned a set of online winter study assignments to do during uh, winter, as I said. Um, so these included COPASAN recertification courses, as well as some other topics that we designed uh, on pest ID and soft skills and so on. So since we've been creating these uh, courses online for winter studies, it wasn't that big of a leap to do a larger scale program. Uh, that said, we've always lived by the mantra, telling ain't training. So it was important to make our online training interactive enough. We didn't want our technicians to feel like they just needed to sit there and absorb. We wanted to keep them engaged. So for initial training, this meant transferring all our hard copies into the learning hub while also adding in videos and, and quizzes and visuals to keep them engaged. And for winter meetings, we, we actually changed the participation expectations. To limit the amount of time that people had to spend in front of the visual meeting, we broke up our typical day-long meetings into a set of courses to do prior to the meeting and then a half-day virtual meeting. So this allowed for some flexibility of technicians and also reduced that dreaded Zoom fatigue. So for these pre-meeting courses, we got creative and presented the information while also asking technicians to do quizzes, post screenshots of um, doing proposals and things and, and videos of themselves and also participate in uh, discussion boards to help with retention. The virtual meetings uh, required a little more, more, little more thought uh, for the in-person meetings interaction typically looked like technicians getting up and moving, touching equipment, playing games, so on. And that's just really not possible during a virtual meeting. So we've relied on a lot more roundtables to get technicians sharing their own experiences and ask them to work through scenarios to, um, that include some hands-on programming. For example, next month, we're planning for technicians to grab their sprayers and work through some maintenance while their supervisor leads them through uh, video. I think we've been successful with including interaction, even if it's a different way than we're used to. Uh, as you mentioned, Caroline, Plunkin's fortunate to have already had a lot of these tools and processes in place, but still a pretty daunting task. What were some of your concerns going into this process of converting in-person training to virtual? Well, not all of our technicians are technology wizards. So I was really fearful that technology fears would just detract from the learning. I'm sure that there's been some of that, but our field team has really been amazing and adapting very quickly. I was also concerned about the level of interaction we would be able to include. And I think we've, we've gotten creative and, and used our learning management platforms to be able to include much more than I thought would be possible. And then what surprised you in a good way about how your technicians and CSRs were able to adapt? Well, I knew our team was flexible, but they've really just gone above and beyond this year. They're not afraid to participate in new learning exercises as we continue to be creative and have been very understanding when things haven't gone quite as planned. So I've just been very appreciative of how flexible they've been. And kind of re reflecting back on things, is there, if, if you had it to do over again, what would you have done differently? Well, that's a toughie because things can always be improved, but we've had such good success that it's it's hard to pick something that I would change. I guess I wish we would have done this sooner. We spent so much time and money making copies to prepare for meetings when announced 
to SNAP to email over their material and send an invite. And then I think uh, a lot of uh, PCOs, training directors, and so forth, they're, what they're finding is that some of the practices they've learned from training uh, or doing whatever in a COVID area are going to carry over. What are some of the things from this whole process of training in the COVID area that you expect to carry over once COVID is done? Well, I think we'll most likely return to in-person meetings for the most part, just because it's been such a part of our culture. But I can definitely see reducing initial training maybe to one week in the classroom and one virtual or hosting hybrid in-person and virtual area meetings. There's such a high cost financially and emotionally to ask technicians to travel uh, for meetings. And I like the idea of doing some in-person so they get those benefits, but also some in lines so that they don't have to be away from their families. I think that other benchmark meetings like our rookie camp will go back to entirely in person. The benefits of working through things in person for a meeting like that are just too much to ignore. Uh, also mulling over the idea of continuing to provide ongoing courses for our techs throughout the year. Now that they're used to learning each month, I think it's reasonable to create and assign courses that cover timely topics such as policy changes or seasonal pest changes instead of just saving it for our winter time much more impactful to talk about large flies in the summer than in March. <laughs> and again, uh, reflecting back on, the, on this past year, what advice would you give to other training directors going through this process of transitioning in-person training to virtual? Yeah, I would say be patient with your team and yourself. This is really a process. Just last week, I was looking through the courses I created at the beginning of COVID, and it was very evident how much I've improved since then. Got a lot of updating to do now. I also would suggest finding a learning management system and course creation program that's easy to use and navigate. Many years ago, we, we used a course creation system that was difficult to use and this just resulted in fewer courses being creative or created, sorry. Um, with our current program, it's very simple to input info from able to make courses um, more quickly. And we also, after trying out a few learning management systems, we actually designed our own program using Moodle. So this has allowed us to have some flexibility and make our learning hub function exactly how we'd like. So try out a few of them, make sure what you're using is working for you. And also your team will most likely surprise you. They'll rise to the challenge, so you shouldn't be afraid to push them. Try out that new interactive feature within a course or ask them to present a topic during the next virtual meeting. I think they'll surprise you. Great. Well, those were some uh, great insights, uh, Caroline. And I think, as I mentioned, you know, we've talked to a lot of PCOs and other folks throughout the industry. And the one area we hadn't really talked about was how training had changed during a pandemic. So I think your column is uh, really something of interest to our readers. And I appreciate you taking some time with us. Well, thank you very much. And again, for folks who want to learn more about what Plunkett's has done during the pandemic in, in terms of uh, from a training perspective, I would encourage everyone to check out the Tech Talk column, which appears in the February issue of PCT Magazine. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for today's podcast, and have a great day.